Welcome to the Permaculture Podcast. Now through April 20th, 2019, I'm running the Winter to Spring fundraiser with two goals in mind. The first is to send co-host David Bilbrey back to California for Transform 19, the follow-up conference to Regen 18, so he can continue to talk with the thought leaders of regenerative business. The second is to permanently hire a sound engineer to improve the editing and audio mix of the show. Any amount will help, so give what you can. Donate online at paypal.me slash permaculturepodcast or by mail. The Permaculture Podcast, P.O. Box 16, Dauphin, Pennsylvania, 17018. Today's guests are Ryan Rising of Permaculture Action Network and Leah Song of Rising Appalachia, who join me to talk about how they use their work on stage and off to organize communities to participate in a Permaculture Action Day. Together, they blend permaculture and activism with music and merriment. From their experiences bringing together more than 13,000 people to over 90 action days, they share how we can learn more, get involved, and make a difference. Enjoy this conversation with Ryan and Leah, and I'll join you again after. Then, Ryan and Leah, thank you for joining me today to have this conversation about the Permaculture Action Network and the intersection of art, activism, and permaculture. Before we get started with that, could each of you give us a little bit of where you come from, your biography and background, and how you came to this work, and we can take the conversation from there. Sure, Leah. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, My name is Leah Song, and I am one of the co-founders of Rising Appalachia, and we have spent the last 14 years of our lives, myself and my sister, and our amazing ensemble of traveling musical troubadours, finding out how we can use the power of the stage and the power of concerts and music and art uh, to be a catalyst for action, justice, and Permaculture Action has been an amazing collaborator of ours uh, in so, so many ways to bring kind of the power of the stage directly to the people. Um, we've also done some work in prison prison justice, and we've done a lot of work in education and and uh, women's rights work, and, and and just many different intersections where we find the the call of the people. So that's been our work. Um, that's been our work for for many many years, and we're always working on finding ways to dive even deeper uh, with the purpose that goes past the stage. I think. And I'm Ryan Rising. I live out in Oakland, California, originally from the East Coast out in New Jersey. And uh, I'm an organizer with the Permaculture Action Network. I've been a community organizer for about 15 years now, but founded the Permaculture Action Network back in 2016 after doing the first Permaculture Action Tour in 2014. And we've been working with Leah and Rising Appalachia since 2016 when we kind of launched the organization officially and did our first round of action days. And now we are counting 92 permaculture action days. We just did our last one in Oakland, California. Before that, we did a tour of seven action days with Rising Appalachia on the Solidarity Tour, mostly on the East Coast. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later in the podcast. But yeah, I'm Ryan. I'm a permaculture educator, mostly around social permaculture, focusing on things like community organizing and governance and decision-making and alternative economies and conflict resolution and different collective processes for designing and organizing towards and creating the world that we want to live in. Um, And I'm also a direct action organizer and I'm involved in 
some other projects and movements outside of Permaculture Action Network, but this is my main focus. Yeah, and I was interested in having this conversation as a continuation of one that I had with one of your colleagues, Ryan, a number of years ago, Jasmine, regarding the Permaculture Action Tour that took place and seeing how those ideas that occurred at that time and the work that you were doing have grown and expanded into the Permaculture Action Network and what that looks like on the ground with all of these concerts with Rising Appalachia and Leah and her sister and the band, and then also the way that that looks hands-on as you go into different communities and what you're doing there. So could you give us a bit of that work? Absolutely. It's been a really phenomenal shift. I mean, just to give kind of a picture to the folks who are listening of the ridiculousness of that 2014 tour. I mean, we did some great work. We had action days where we had two, three, 400 people coming out where we had to actually have like four or five sites in the same city because the numbers that we were seeing that were about to come out the next day were so great. Um, and we did really effective work, but also there were five of us driving around in an SUV following this tour bus with the Polish ambassador and Ayla Nario and Mr. Liff going and playing these 32 concerts in a row. And we had the Wi-Fi hotspot in the middle and all our laptops out. And we were just like constantly organizing and creating media and writing articles and getting materials and setting up for the next day. And we've taken a big step back from that. And now we do it a lot differently. So now we actually have bioregional crews in different parts of the continent. So we have a mid-Appalachian bioregional crew um, who will be organizing a course with in Tennessee later this year. We have a bioregional crew out in California mostly based out of the Bay Area, but all around um, the place known as California. We have a bioregional crew in the Great Lakes, um, and we have some that are growing in the Vermont area, Piedmont, which is the area surrounding Atlanta, the Pacific Northwest, and Colorado. And so our bioregional crews um, self-organize into this organization we call the Permaculture Action Network to People from each bioregional crew double link into this core crew that kind of makes organization-wide decisions. And then among those bioregional crews, different members form working groups, which actually do the focused work of media or website or artist liaising um, and these different topic areas that we have to focus on. And so we partner with various artists and festivals and cultural events, not just music, and we mobilize people from those cultural events to these days of regenerative direct action. And so we're partnering with everyone from indigenous food sovereignty projects to urban farms to community gardens. We're installing edible landscaping at low-income housing facilities or rainwater catchment systems um, and natural buildings at elementary schools and all kinds of things like this. And so our principle is to work on the self-determination of those local organizers and those local stewards of these projects that we're partnered with And then we just ask, you know, how can we show up and support you on what you're doing? Um, What would be of most benefit to you? And then we organize based on that. And so we just get all of the skilled facilitators and materials and tools ahead of time, as well as sound systems and music and live performances, DJs, bands, food, beverages, workshops, skill shares. And we just put it all together in this one big day where No one's expected to do any one thing. We kind of just set it all out and people can interact as they will throughout the Permaculture Action Day. And Leah, how did you discover the Permaculture Action Network and this work? Was it something that you found in your own journeys or were you invited into this work? Hmm, that's a good question. You know, I kind of feel like we've been friends and allies for a very long time. I'm not exactly 
sure I can pinpoint when we met specifically. But I do feel like Rising Appalachia has always been uh, aligned with work around around social justice in in the concert tours. And so when we were able to witness the original Permaculture Action Tour as friends and allies of both the musical crew and the Permaculture Action crew, we were really inspired to see that process at such a high level. You know, I, I think that we have always tried to create direct action tied to our concerts, but we've done it ourselves, like Ryan said, you know, in the, in the craziness of a touring schedule uh, on our own, just trying to network and, and create events attached to our concerts. Um, and so when we saw that there was a, a really strong movement that was building, that Ryan and his community were building around organizing and, and being able to piggyback on the momentum of music, it was a very, very natural and inspiring fit for us. Um, and I think we all, our whole crew just stepped in and wanted to get involved and wanted to figure out where we could find some crossroads uh, in that work and, and learn from it and also collaborate together. Um, I think, Ryan, do, we were at one of the Polish Ambassador Action Days. Does that sound correct to you? Yeah, I do remember the first time I sat down with you was in a little park, actually, in South Berkeley with Jasmine. So we went out to this park and we thought it might be just a little while. We ended up sitting in the park for an hour, an hour and a half and just talking and meeting around what this could look like. And, you know, if we were to partner, what would that be and what would we do together? And that's the first time I remember really sitting down and, and talking with you deeply about this. And I tell these kind of stories not for any other reason than to kind of remind folks that this is how all of this stuff starts. It doesn't matter how like mm-hmm. big or celebral or anything, any of these projects ever seem like it usually starts with just a few folks, like getting to know one another in a park, sitting on the grass with like breaking bread and uh, yeah. And talking and then figuring things out from there and then things grow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can all become organizers and we can all, get active in that way. And it's all about building real authentic relationships. And I just remember sitting down with you and getting to know you after kind of revolving around you and seeing your music for so many years and to like talk to you today and just be like completely authentic friends who know each other pretty well. And to have gone from that place of strangers to that place of intimacy and able to like organize well together is pretty incredible. Totally. Yep. It all comes from, from genuine connection, I think. And as an artist and a musician and all the people who find something within your work, do you see bringing people around your stage as a place for you to get to know and communicate with people more broadly than you might if it was just a one-on-one interaction? Well, you know, to give you just a little bit of our background musically, you know, we we've come into performance first as activists in all these different realms. I was doing a lot of, of work in Latin America around, you know, language and indigenous studies and human rights work. My sister was doing work in Northern California and environmental justice and, and redwood tree sitting our, our both of our other bandmates do a lot of land reclamation and youth education. So we all, we all kind of came together first really as, as activists and educators and, and kind of as musicians, almost begrudgingly, you know, we almost didn't want to take that path because it felt, it felt 
like it wasn't enough about direct service. And I think for our whole band, there was some resistance in, in mm. you know, do we want to do this? Do we want to take this path? It can feel very excessive. Um, and it doesn't often give us a lot of direct connection to people. You know, if we have four, 400 to 1500 people in an audience, you know, our ability to have intimate conversations is pretty limited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that what we did realize is that the stage has this broader power where we can curate an experience and we can really ask our audience to have communication and contact, contact with each other and bring in organizations that can have a lot of local power on the ground. And, and, and we, can, we can sort of host the space. And I think that that was mm-hmm. something that, that very, very quickly felt important, important for us to take seriously and also like a very real tool and a very real resource for us if we wanted to bring more intention into our performance itself. So I don't know if that exactly answers your question, but, <laughs> but that kind of takes you on our, our journey a little bit. Well, it gives me a bit of where and how you can pull together the on-the-ground organizations that are in a region when you go in and connect them with the people who are likely to attend a concert or come into that space. I mean, for my own concert-going experience, with the exception of like super fans who are willing to travel like many, many states to go see a particular show, very often, most of the concerts I've attended over the years have been very regional for the attendees. And so you have a lot of people who would be from that area. And so any of the organizations that would come in, the people who they might meet there are when they go back to their life afterwards, they can still be in connection and communion with those folks who they met that day or that evening. Right. Totally. That's definitely a mainstay of the work that we do. Yeah, yeah, I think I mean, that's it's really, really it's about that. It's not necessarily, you know, all about mobilizing people to that one day of direct action. A lot of this actually started back when we were ideating this in 2014. And still to this day, it's largely about connecting people with one another and connecting people with the organizations and projects and spaces that are around them. And so, you know, when we go to these concerts and shows and when we talk to people, we're not only letting folks know about the action day location, we're also letting them know about the various permaculture projects and urban farms and food forests and community organizations that are in their area and kind of letting them know here's an address or some contact information. Here's their open hours. Here's who's going to be coming to the action day and teaching this workshop or this skill share. Here's a collaborating organization or project that's going to be there tomorrow that you can connect with. Furthermore, connect with one another. And, you know, if you want to learn some tools totally. for community organizing and facilitation and these kind of things so that you can, you know, stir up those relationships a little bit faster and have them lead towards implementation and action. We offer that as well through our permaculture action hubs, these workshop spaces that we do, and our courses, which focus just as much on social permaculture and community organizing as they do on the ecological design side of things. So that's really the intention of what we're doing is, you know, definitely beyond just mobilizing people to a single day of action. It's really about the long-term relationships that we can catalyze between audiences and the people in them and one another and the projects and organizations already in the regions that they live in. Totally. And I think, you know, to piggyback on that, I think that what we saw as performers is there's this really two things, you know, number one, not to dig too deeply into politics, but once, you know, this, this most recent election 
passed and we <laughs> felt some horribly strange, you know, demise of connection and, and democracy, you know, I think that there was this, there was this really interesting response where everyone was starting to feel isolated. And I mean, that's the primary commentary about what's going on in the, in the atmosphere of our country right now is that there's, there's divisiveness and there's isolation. And it's really an amazing experience to be part of something that is actually gathering people together. And we work really hard to not create music that is preachy, but we, we work to create music that, that invites a lot of dialogue and asks a lot of questions. So then to have the Permaculture Action Network kind of being the, the, you know, the net that can collect all that energy has been a very cool relationship because everyone comes into a show with their, their daily baggage and their stories and their stresses. And usually by the end of the show, you really do see a transformation in energy. And there's a lot more excitement. If people have kind of physically and literally been able to shake off their woes for the day and they feel better and they feel more connected. And then there's a place to take that, which I think is so valuable and, and, and very rare in the music industry you often just send people back out into the world and they go home. But in, in this case, and a lot of the work that we do, there's a place to really kind of root that energy, to, to deepen connections, to broaden relationships, and, and, you know, to broaden your knowledge of what's going on locally and, and to really kind of ride that wave of energy in a lot of, right. in a lot of different ways. So it's been a very, very inspiring thing to witness. It sounds like you're creating a, an experience for joyful catharsis. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's I, I think there's joyful catharsis in there, and I think there's also, you know, re- release that's probably less joyful. I think there's mourning, and I think that yeah. there's there's the release of anxiety, and I think people just they come. Everyone comes in with so much. That you know, energetic baggage, and I think it's really valuable to have a place to put all that. To have yes, a catharsis, totally, a place to just churn that stuff out, and then with permaculture action, literally plant it all back into the earth. You know, absolutely. I've seen such a shift just in my own like personal experiences from, you know, when I was fifteen, sixteen, growing up in New Jersey, I used to go to punk shows and. You know, that was definitely the space of catharsis and I would, you know, get it all out in that on that dance floor and I would sometimes go to these punk shows and I would bring these flyers that I like printed up in my mom's basement that I made on, you know, Microsoft Word and it would be inviting people to get involved with the local food not bombs or getting people involved with the work that was going on around corporate globalization and opposition to that or sending books to political prisoners or whatever it might be. And I would distribute these flyers at these punk shows and every single one of them would end up on the ground and I would never get an email back. And, uh, you know, that was that cathartic kind of moment. And now we're going to these shows and we're at, you know, the concert venue in Minneapolis and rising Appalachia's playing to 800 people. And then we're standing at the door as the show is ending and we're handing flyers to everyone and two thirds of people are, oh yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. Oh, I already know about it. I'll see you tomorrow. Absolutely. I'll be there tomorrow. And it's like, wait, you already know about this? Like two thirds of this <laughs> concert hall are already coming to this action day tomorrow. And then the next day, an indoor community center in the freezing cold in the middle of Minneapolis in November, December turns into this 
incredible action day and people are building aquaponic systems in one room and another room they're building a culinary herb garden to serve the cafeteria upstairs which serves nutrient-rich food to people who can't afford it at these you know daily community meals and in this room they're painting a huge collaborative mural and there's a band playing in the hallway with banjos and drum sets and the music's emanating and there's people cooking in the kitchen upstairs a meal for 400 people that have attended the action day and it's just like this incredible amount of activity happening and everyone that's there was at the concert last night and now they've all got drills in their hand or they're learning how to create aquaponic systems or they're planting or they're painting or they're contributing in some way to this like indoor community center in the middle of Minneapolis, which is now going to act as like a, a food hub. And a lot of people didn't know that that community center was there. And that's also really exciting is like people show up the next day and then a lot of times long-term relationships are built, you know, and, right. and long-term relationships, are built. even the people who don't, end up making it the next day are like, oh, wait a second. You know, there's, there's a community center that I never even knew about in my neighborhood. I'm going to swing by there. So it's, you know, it's the biggest, it's the biggest hope for us as musicians, you know, and, and that Ryan and his team are able to really take so, so many of our like big dreams and, and put them into action. Hence the name, you know, it's, it's a very appropriate name, Ryan, but you know, it's able to take take the energy. We are there for two days at max. We're in these communities. I mean, our we're the pollinators. We we travel and we dip in for twenty four hours and then we're gone. But to think that we can be the catalyst to build connection and to get, like you said, four hundred people into a community center that maybe had never even known that it was there or hadn't been involved, and that that can be a long term relationship is so exciting and, and, and I really hope that it's something that is more implementable across the board. I, I mean, I, I just think it's a very successful model. And that, that's actually exactly why we started this. I mean, we were inspired during the first Permaculture Action Tour to see 300 people, 400 people come out to action days in the bigger cities like, you know, Denver and Portland and New York and these places. And that was inspiring, but I don't think we were really decisive about wanting to create an entire organization out of this until we did our first permaculture action course before lucidity festival in california and mind you like during the permaculture action tour we'd done action days where we turned empty lots into community gardens we did an action day at the land trust out in atlanta we did action days at elementary schools and community gardens and so now it's like three months four months later, and we're doing our first permaculture action course before Lucidity Festival. And there's like 25, 28 students there. And they start the conversation at the dinner table one night. And one of them asks the other, like, hey, how did you first hear about permaculture? And then the question starts going around the dinner table. And everyone starts responding like, oh, yeah, I was at a Polish ambassador show. And I heard about the action day. So I came to this permaculture action day. And now I live at the Land Trust in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, I came to this permaculture action day. And now I started a community garden with my friends um, and we have a collective and we like share food with people that can't afford it. Oh yeah. I was at a Polish show and I heard about permaculture for the first time. And I came to this action day and um, me and my neighbors took over the empty lot across the street and we turned it into an urban farm. And now we're like having weekly potlucks with those meals. And it was just like this incredible number of the students that were there at this permaculture action course that heard about permaculture for their first time at a concert 
came to an action day and now they were like part of this movement for a just and sustainable future for the long haul. Um, and that's really what's inspired us to keep doing this. And that's what's inspired us to do more than just the action days, but to also offer these workshop hubs and these courses where we teach the hands-on skills of ecologically regenerative design and implementation of these systems, but also of facilitation, alternative economies, and the very basics of how do you organize? Because no one's ever taught us that. No one's ever taught this generation for sure. And I assume a lot of other generations too, no one's ever taught us how to get out in the world and actually facilitate conversations and take meeting notes and, you know, start groups and start projects and facilitate economy in a way that's any different than like work this way for this wage for this other person. And so teaching those skills of just how to get out there and organize with one another is just as important to us as teaching how to regenerate soil, how to catch rainwater, how to plant um, perennial polycultures of edible and medicinal plants and everything that else that's part of this permaculture movement. Clearly, we're very excited about this because I don't think that you've asked a question for like at least 20 minutes. <laughs> <sighs> well, and it's the two of you are playing off of each other as this goes on and mentioning certain things that I want to ask a question about. And then you just kind of answer it as we're here. And it is what you were saying a little bit ago about this being a very successful model and that I know a lot of people who are organizing workshops and I've been there to help support and encourage folks to attend, but you show up and it's five or 10 people. And it seems to be like the same group of people you see over and over again, because they are your local community activists. They are your local organizers, your local volunteer pool, uh, who are interested in, you know, the ecological or the permaculture questions. But it sounds like creating a, almost a carnival or a celebratory culture around these days actually creates this kind of like a flash community that then can still be inspired and work together even after the Permaculture Action Network and the band have left a day or two later. Yeah, that's definitely what we've seen a lot of. And so we do a lot of follow-up work and we can't do it all. I mean, literally at this point, we have mobilized 13,000 plus people to these Permaculture Action Days. And that number comes from Mm -hmm. just taking account at every single one. So we've done 92 and we have our count for each particular action day. And so we obviously can't follow up with 13,125 people and make sure everyone's still in relationship. And we do as much as we can. We focus a lot on following up with the project spaces and the organizations and facilitators that were collaborators. But we also have a pretty good view of seeing people from this city and then seeing them again when we come back around or seeing them at this cultural event that we attend or keeping in touch with them through social media online. And that's really what we've seen a ton of is it's really just a catalyzing force. It just catalyzes relationships and catalyzes connections and catalyzes activity that might have already happened. It just might have happened a couple of years later or it might have happened at a different scale. And so it's really about those long lasting relationships that stay between other individuals and We've been realizing that a lot in the net last year is like, wait, this network part of Permaculture Action Network, we've been kind of trying to figure out what's the container for that and how do we kind of name it and detail that network so other people can see it legibly. And now we're kind of realizing like, wait, maybe some of the power in it, is it being illegible? Is that like, yeah, there's clusters of three and seven and 15 and 32 and 85 people that all know each other in different formations throughout this Permaculture Action Network. And it's not about us having a spreadsheet with everyone's information and names and making sure they're all connected. We know that we've catalyzed these relationships and they're still out there kind of growing and forming affinity with one another. 
And through that follow-up and being in touch with people afterwards, even though, as you say, you can't necessarily be in touch with everyone and do everything, what are you finding continues to grow after you've created this inspiration for people and connected them with some of their local resources? So I think I'll give an example of um, the last action day we did. So we just did a permaculture action day in Oakland. It was our 92nd one. And we worked with Led to Life. And we worked with Led to Life out in Atlanta in April. And Rising Appalachia came and played music at like the final hour of the action day where we were putting this greenhouse um, plastic on top of this big greenhouse in this woman's backyard, this urban farm in Atlanta. And it was this really magical moment where like Rising Appalachia is all there. They're playing a concert. Everyone's incredibly excited to see them. But at the same time, we need tons of hands to like raise this plastic up and staple it in and finish this greenhouse. So it's this big barn raising kind of thing. But um, when we were in Atlanta, we did the action day with Led to Life and we melted down 50 guns into 50 shovels with mothers whose children were killed by police or other people using guns. And so it was an act of healing and transformation to, you know, turn these weapons that these mothers actually experienced the loss from into shovels, tools of regeneration, and then use those shovels to plant 50 trees around the city of Atlanta, a lot of them in the very places where these mothers' children were killed. And so in addition to that, we use these shovels at this urban farm uh, called Mina's Farm in Atlanta, and we had hundreds of people come through, and we planted trees and inoculated mushrooms and built a rainwater catchment system and built a garden bed and built a retaining wall along the stream and all of this other work. And then we repeated that process in uh, Oakland, California on January 20th, 2019, just a couple months ago. Leah, with your work as an activist and an artist and a singer-songwriter, where do you see your direction going in the future with Permaculture Action Network and the other work that you're doing? Yeah, I'm, um, you know, we started a project called the Slow Music Movement, which for us, uh, we have hoped very much to be a blueprint for a lot of different touring artists, musicians, and also people on book tours and theater companies, all the people that make their living through art on the road, um, just to create a, some formal language around sustainability and bringing sustainability into that movement that isn't a very sustainable movement. So regional touring, um, you know, trying to work with the places that host music, uh, which are often bars to have local food available, to not be having single-use cups and plasticware, uh, to bring in regional nonprofits to do educational work. So we have a very, very loose blueprint for what we want to explore and encourage in sustainable touring um, that we very much hope a lot of different artists will take on. Um, it's not something that we want to have any ownership of at all, it's something that we want to create language around and kick it around in, in the music world and, and encourage people to take it on and, and make it their own. I mean, Ryan and I have talked very, very in-depth about wanting to create something along the lines of the Permaculture Action Network tour to be available, you know, much, much, much more broadly. And I think if we had the resources and the funding and the human power, we would bring a Permaculture Action tour and a Permaculture Action event to every single show that we do. We'd probably pay, play 150 shows a year. Um, currently that's not available. We don't have the manpower. N none of us, we don't have the manpower. We don't have the funding. 
we've done small runs with independent grant funding that we've each looked at individually to, to find out all the different places where we have crossroads. Uh, but, you know, it's a deep, deep desire of ours to see movements like this grow and become more commonplace across the board for making, you know, touring and making traveling art actually create local impact. So uh, we'll see where it goes, you know, we'll see, we'll see how broad we're able to bring it. Currently, we're so excited when we're able to know that we have 10 permaculture action tour events in, in a single year, you know, and that's something that we just work case by case on creating, but I hope that it catches a massive amount of momentum and, and, and that we're able to, Ryan, you would probably speak better to it, you know, what it would look I mean, like we're... if it was able to expand without losing its impact because it is intimate totally. right now. We work so closely with each other. And so that is a benefit I... to it not being a nationally funded, you know, 500 person arts organization or whatever it's it's very intimate but i i think it's a model that could really really grow i think that's what we've been really building the last few years is as we do these action days and we've done dozens over the last few years but we've also been focusing really heavily on organizational development and how do we keep that collective relationship-based intimate sense of organizing and not become you know, a megalithic nonprofit, not become some kind of arts institution or anything like that? How do we really keep this grassroots and relationship-based and keep our face-to-face and hand-in-hand connections with all these permaculturists and farmers and educators and facilitators around the continent? Um, But how do we grow this? And really, Leah just hit on it. I mean, we're working furiously to come over that hump of not having enough resources and capacity but that's really all it is right now. Like we have no shortage of projects and spaces that want to partner with us and host action days and have lots of, you know, regenerative systems that they want to build and work that they want to get done. And we have no shortage of artists that want to do this work. You know, we've been in touch with Moon Hooch over the last little while. Antibalis has been talking to us about organizing permaculture action days on their tour. We'll actually be going to their concerts over the next few weeks in San Francisco and Oakland to just get a feel for those shows and build relationship with them. We have a number of hip hop artists who I can't mention because they're probably too big to just throw on the podcast name wise without like really having an agreement with them. But we have a bunch of hip hop artists that are in the work to do action days with. We're also talking with some really big cultural events. I mean, we've done permaculture action days with 20,000 person music festivals like Lightning in a Bottle. And we've worked with, you know, Arise and Sonic Bloom and these other ones. We do an annual event with Sonic Bloom Festival where we support a farm to table pay what you can restaurant and these two farms that support um, and give food towards that in Walsenburg, which is like the second poorest county in Colorado with the worst food nutrition on record. And that's just like a regular annual event at this point. But we're also talking with folks like Burning Man who's literally contacting us and saying like, Hey, we're used to doing this annual pre-compression party in San Francisco Bay area. And we'd actually like to do something more like a permaculture action day this year. And that's just such an incredible opportunity. I mean, that's a, a reach of 1 million plus people annually. And we're basically able to, create an invitation to that 1 million people that says like, Hey, you know, that thing you've gotten really used to for a couple of decades now, this pre compression party, like what about coming out to an elementary school with an urban farm and a community foods co-op and building up a bunch of regenerative systems in the middle of a pretty poor neighborhood in Oakland and coming correct and showing up in solidarity with that ethos of like 
you know, the only way that each of us are going to become free is if we work towards one another's liberation and we see it as our own. And those are the conversations we're having this week. Like those are the actions that we're working towards. And so there's huge opportunities to kind of create these direct invitations and shift a culture that's all too often not focused on the long haul and where things go the next day. During our conversation so far today, you've shared with me your pasts, your present, and where the future might take us. And with that in mind, as we draw this conversation to a close, do either of you have final thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners? I feel like we've dug into so many places. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I think Ryan kind of hit some of it already on, on the head, which is that doing work in, I think the word activism has, has so much weight to it, but actually... I think every one of us has a crossroads and an intersection in our lives where we can work to make this crazy spinning top of a world a little bit of a gentler, more just place. And I think trying to find ways to make that available and simple and accessible for every one of us to have impact is really the valuable work that we're all trying to create and trying to make space for. And so I, I encourage everybody listening to find a place in their world. It doesn't have to be a big, giant, you know, movement. It can be a really small place in the world where you can reach out and, you know, really connect with somebody that maybe comes from a different place, looks a little different, functions a little differently than you, whether that's a space in the school system or, or space at your local library or you can intersect with uh with the prison system you know there's so 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 many places mm -hmm. where we just need manpower and woman power to create a small small difference so that's something that i always try and leave everyone with is that it can be a very simple mm -hmm. gesture um and it makes such a big difference in our state of overwhelm i think people feel so overwhelmed and so you know, anxiety ridden right now. And, and that mm -hmm. simple place of connection can make such a big difference. So I would leave us with that. And, and on the flip side, you know, if there's any amazing giant funders out there, get in touch with the Permaculture Action Network and figure out how to create this model in broader reaching ways, because it is very, very, very powerful and simple and basic. And it all it takes is human power, really. And and leverage and we can really see it grow. So I think I think that's really the same, yeah, you know, it. main takeaway that I want to leave with is just that invitation to not wait for an invitation basically, but to act and to connect and to get out there. I was invited, you know, the other week to go speak at the SF Bay Area launch of the Extinction Rebellion movement, this like climate disruption movement that's kind of started in Europe and moved over to New York City and the East Coast, and now it's coming to the West Coast. And people are kind of saying, hey, if we do enough civil disobedience, then maybe we can push the government to act and to stop climate disruption and the things that lead to it. And, you know, I took the speaking opportunity, and the main things that I wanted to invite people to do is, one, think about 
this is much broader than the simplified narrative of carbon emissions equals climate change and actually think about biospheric collapse is caused by deforestation and interruption of the hydrological cycle and, you know, topsoil loss and toxification and all of these kind of things, including the displacement of indigenous people and poor people and people of color. And then secondarily, to not wait for Extinction Rebellion's next rally, to not think that the next big action in the streets is going to finally convince the government to stop things, but instead to connect with all of the various ongoing projects and organizations and spaces in their area that are bringing us into this just transition. Things like urban farms and food justice organizations, things like Segorite Land Trust and other land trusts that are returning land to people that have been displaced from that land. Organizations that are doing natural building and appropriate technologies and installing rainwater catchment systems and things like this. And of course, also organizations that are directly stopping the harm that's being done. But Really, I think we've all been kind of taught to wait for someone to tell us what to do and to wait for the next big powerful thing to lead us into what's finally going to mm-hmm. get us, you know, beyond mm-hmm. where we are. And I think it's really not about that. It's really more about us each doing what we can at the level that we can do it and connecting with each other. And there's incredibly inspiring projects to look to all around the world. I mean, we've been looking to the Zapatista project in Chiapas for a long time now. And the Unistoten camp up in the place we call Canada has been facing a lot of repression over the last couple months. But over the last few years, they've built something really amazing there. And, you know, also in, in Rojava, in the place that we call Syria and Turkey and Iraq, and some people call Kurdistan, but this incredible territory called Rojava, where they took the social ecology teachings of Murray Bookchin, and they've created one of the most amazing experiments in autonomy, feminism, and ecological living that's ever been done on the planet in the place where civilization started so many so much time ago. Um, And so really the invitation is just to like, of course, look to these places for inspiration, but to really get out there and act and start locally. And I just want to make, you know, a direct connection with people if they're looking for how to get in touch with us. Our website is permacultureaction.org. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook and all these places at Permaculture Action Network. And uh, we have a couple of events coming up. We are teaching a course in Tennessee at Seven Springs Holistic Retreat Center Um, That's April 1st to 7th, and we'd love to know if people are interested in that um, and how much, you know, we should be preparing, how many people we should be preparing for, and what kind of hands-on systems we should be building at that. So please get in touch if you're interested. And then we do an annual permaculture action course before the Sonic Blue Music Festival in June in Colorado. And then we have a number of, like, workshop hubs coming up, and of course, we'll be organizing a bunch of action days in conjunction with cultural events. So just get in touch with us and we'll let you know that's our, you know, what we use our online mechanism for is mostly just to let you all know about what the action days and events that we have coming up are so that you can come if you want to. Um, So yeah, thank you so much, Scott. And thank you, Leah. I appreciate so much being here with you both today. Yeah. Basically Ryan should write a book. Get us a handbook on how we can take all of your skills and lessons in organizing to create these kinds of cultural shifts and organizational movements. It'd be it'd be a really useful resource. Yeah, and we'll write a collaborative one. project <laughs> with others. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And Leah, if people would like to find out more about you and your music, where can they go for that? You just go to risingappalachia.com. Make sure you spell Appalachia, right? 
got a whole variety of T's and L's scattered across it, but it's good research to know how to spell it. And uh, risingappalachia.com takes you into our world, our tour schedule. You get information about our, our new video and song, Resilient, that we just put out. We have a new album coming. There's some slow music movement info on there, and also all the variety of social media realms. Facebook and Instagram will get you a bunch of information. So, yeah, please follow us and follow what we're doing, and hopefully we'll be able to network from afar. I think our work is to provide the soundtrack and the, and the bugle horn for all of this amazing work that's happening on the ground. So we'll be doing our due diligence and collecting stories and turning them into songs and showing up showing up on the ground as often as we can. So thanks so much for having us and letting Ryan and I chatter about all of the things that we love. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm thankful that we were able to find the time to do this. I really appreciate what both of you shared and how this can help others organize, get moving and be inspired to create the change that they need in order to live in the world that they want to see. So thank you both for that and everything else that you're doing in the world. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Be well. And that was Ryan Rising and Leah Song. You can find Ryan's work at permacultureaction.org and Leah at risingappalachia.com. I've included links to those and more in the show notes. Though I interviewed Jasmine Saavedra about the Permaculture Action Tour in 2015, it was my friends in Kentucky, whom you've heard in the in-person conversations recorded at the Clear Creek Schoolhouse, who helped get this conversation together. Thank you, Leah Van Winkle and Michael Beck, for helping to set all this up. What I'm left with stepping away from the conversation is a reminder of David Fleming's lean logic, and how in those pages he calls on the need for celebration and carnival if we plan to have a joyous and bountiful future. But as we heard from Ryan and Leah today, we can do all that right now. Not only through the Permaculture Action Days, but also through other related movements like slow music or slow food, to celebrate and enjoy the bounties of life and our ability to share a space or a plate with others, a part of our everyday lives, and ongoing rituals. This is social permaculture in motion, working with people so they can work the land. As they care for one another, they care for the earth. If you're an organizer or just interested, get in touch with the Permaculture Action Network and see what you can do to create or join with one of the regional hubs. And while you're at it, look for the artists, artisans, and allies in your community that can come together and share the surplus with one another. Need help along the way? Get in touch. Call 717-827-6266, email show at thepermaculturepodcast.com, or write The Permaculture Podcast, P.O. Box 16, Dauphin, Pennsylvania, 17018. From here, the next conversation is with Akiva Silver, as we sit down to talk about his new book, Trees of Power, as well as foraging, and the power of chestnuts and hickories. Finally, before we close, I'd like to thank Dusty Eddy. I'm considering bringing him on as the full-time engineer for the show. Let me know what you think about this more conversational approach to the editing that he took. Until we join one another again, spend each day creating the world you want to live in by organizing within your communities, celebrating with music, and taking care of Earth, yourself, and each other. <laughs>